Hello, Maroon listeners. This is Jake Zucker here with another episode of the Maroon Weekly. Now, I'm joined by some new voices in the studio today. Let's go around and introduce ourselves. I'm, I'm of course, Jake. I'm Timothy. I'm Greg. I'm Carter. I'm Malin. I'm Noah. We're lucky enough to be joined by Noah today. And in the past, we've reported a lot on articles that he's written, but today he's here to talk about some of those articles himself. Are you excited for that, Noah? I'm excited to be here, Jake. I'm glad to hear that. Now, we're going to start with Malin, who has an update on College Council. Right. College Council representatives for the class of 2026 have been announced. Congratulations to Elijah Jenkins, Tim Liu, Juan Simone Angel, Mira Dasgupta, and Luz Maria Montiel. These five will serve on College Council for the 2022 to 2023 academic year and receive their committee assignments within undergraduate student government. 15 first years ran in the election, which was held October 10th to October 12th and 476 total ballots were cast by the class of 2026. This full article, written by Michael McClure, can be viewed on the Chicago Maroon website. And here is Tim Liu, College Council Representative. Thank you. Uh, I'm here to report on some developments at the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics. So on January 3rd, 2023, former U.S. Senator Heidi Heitkamp will become the new director of the Institute of Politics. Heitkamp is a Democrat representing North Dakota between 2013 to 2019, in addition to being a former North Dakota Attorney General and Tax Commissioner. The Institute of Politics, or IOP, is a nonpartisan institute with civic engagement, fellowship, and career programs for students. The IOP also hosts a speaker series open to the wider community, hosting elected officials and candidates from around the country. David Axelrod, the outgoing director of the IOP, was former President Barack Obama's senior advisor. He used to write for the Hyde Park Herald and Chicago Tribune before foraying into political consulting. He founded the IOP in 2013 after leaving the Obama administration and will remain as distinguished fellow and chair of its advisory board. This story was reported by the Hyde Park Herald staff report, and the full story can be read on the website. Let's backtrack for just a second there. The IOP is great now, but we have our very own political success story in the room with <laughs> yeah. us. How, how was your campaign? It was, it was pretty good. I like posted on Instagram, and then I shared it, and I got my friends to share it. It was, it was pretty fun. Graphic de- design is my passion. Is it? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, those those few hours on Canva were quite quite fun to me. I don't know, like looking at the, the elements of graphic design come together, uh, putting out something that I've created, and then you know, winning the election was was the the cherry on top. What are, you, what are you most excited for? I campaigned on the forks, and I will deliver. <laughs> I will get more forks in the dining halls so that we don't have to walk around the whole thing again looking looking for something to eat our meals with. I, I promise that. You know, I'm really looking forward to that. You would have had my vote on yeah. with that with that platform. Mm-hmm. Easy. <laughs> Easy money. <laughs> I do remember last year being in um, my house's study room with Noah, actually, as a friend of... I don't know if you were there. As a friend of ours was making his pitch for college council. Cut the cap. Do you remember that? Yes. That was fun. Who was that? Sean. That was Sean. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yep. But in terms of the IOP, um, how do people feel about Heidi Heitkamp as the new director? Any, any perspective? She's from North Dakota. I mean, like, nobody lives there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, because I'm, I'm a Canadian, um, and they're, they're pretty close to the border, like, they're on it, right? But I'm just saying, like, of all places, like, North Dakota, I mean, that's pretty swag. I'd never known that David Axelrod wrote for the Hyde Park Herald, though. Those he also are, wrote for some... the Chicago Maroon. Of course he did. When he was a first or second year student at the Maroon, he wrote a long-form piece retracking all the different places that Leopold and Loeb had gone on the wow. day that they committed their legendary crime of the century perfect murder. 
that should be available in the Maroon archives on the website if you dig back deep enough. No, I think we should dig back deep enough and put that right in the center column. I think that's <laughs> where our center column politics should, should be centered these days. Next, we're going to know who actually has a couple stories to tell us about. Yeah, so two important things on campus this week. On Monday, University of Chicago economics professor Doug Diamond won the Nobel Prize for his pioneering research in the early 80s studying financial crises and the role that what he calls financial intermediaries or banks play in facilitating and exacerbating those crises. He developed in a 1983 paper an influential model of bank runs known as the Diamond-Ditvig model. Philip Ditvig, his co-author on that paper, also won the Nobel Prize along with former Federal Reserve Chair Ben Bernanke, who was the reserve chair during the financial crisis. At a press conference Monday, Doug Diamond spoke about the influence of the Diamond-Ditvig model which predicts that consumers are more likely to withdraw funds from a bank, essentially engage in a bank run, when they believe the bank is going to fail. His proposal was that bank runs are self-fulfilling prophecy, that once one believes a Mm. bank run is coming, then the bank run will come. And he was very direct in saying that it's the financial institution's duty to not just be stable, but to present an outward image of stability. Diamond said that this was a lesson that Bernanke and the rest of the Federal Reserve in the early Obama administration took to heart when they said about rebuilding the economy, making sure that Americans had trust in financial institutions, not just that the financial institutions were solvent in themselves. Second piece of important news, there was a shooting at 65th and Stony Island earlier this week. A student at the college was shot during a, an armed robbery. That student was taken to the University of Chicago Medical School to receive treatment where they are expected to fully recover. The injury was non-fatal. And who wrote those articles? Those no. were both covered by me in the Chicago <laughs> Maroon. You can find both pieces online. A real live reporter here with us in the Logan Center. It's our lucky day. Thank you, Jake. You know, it's always funny how people will win Nobel Prizes for this pioneering research that they did something like 40 years ago. Yeah, so one of the questions that was asked during the press conference Monday was, you know, are you angry that a paper you wrote 40 years ago when you were in your early 30s, one of the two papers he was recognized for was his doctoral thesis. You know, this isn't exactly new research. And he said better to win it before his last sale date. But he wasn't mad that he... uh, didn't take it home, you know, whatever, 20 years ago. He says he was worried it would have gone to his head. It sounds like the work that he did way back then was super relevant about 15 years ago when the financial crisis happened. and that That's when applications really... Yeah, that's when applications really took off. It's also interesting, the model, in a lot of ways, the part of his research deals with how to stabilize long-term and short-term investments when a bank is dependent on short-term deposits, so like a savings deposit, but it's putting out long-term loans, 20- or 30-year loans on infrastructure projects and commercial projects. How do you balance that tension? And part of the way that the market balances that tension is with mortgage-backed securities, which is something that precipitated the financial crisis. You sure you're not on your way to becoming an econ major? No, I just maybe uh, did a little bit too much digging on this uh, (laughs) this particular (laughs) professor. (laughs) Well, thank you for your perspective. It's very valuable today. And now I think we're going to go to Carter. Yes, this past week, five UChicago professors were awarded $75,000 grants to continue their research over the next two years. Monica Rosenberg, Mark Levin, Pedro Lopez, Zhao Gao, and Peter Ganong were recipients of the Sloan Fellowship, a research grant awarded by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation for early career scholars specializing in STEM and social sciences. 
Monica Rosenberg is an assistant professor in the Department of Psychology studying memory and attention and has been the head of the university's Cognition, Attention, and Brain Lab since 2019. In the Department of Chemistry, assistant professor Mark Levin's lab focuses on using organic chemistry to streamline the process of drug development. Pedro Lopez is an assistant professor in the Department of Computer Science and also serves as the head of the Human Computer Integration Lab. He studies the applications of virtual reality to education, as well as other areas. Statistics professor Chao Gao, University uh, UChicago's site director for the Institute of Data, Economics, Algorithms, and Learning, studies numerous different mathematical topics and the applications of mathematical statistics to other areas. Peter Ganog, assistant professor at the Harris School of Public Policy, studies the effect of federal public policy on individuals under financial stress. This article was originally reported by Anu Vashit, and you can find the full piece in the Chicago Maroon. And thank you to Megan Ha for first reporting this. Yeah, Megan had to go just before we started recording, but um, it'll be great to have her as a part of the team. And congratulations to those professors for winning those fellowships. It's, it's a big deal. It'll help them a lot towards their research. When you go through the list of them, it's, it's crazy to think about how we have all these little institutes that exist within the university that probably do really interesting stuff, um, like the human, the human Computer Integration Lab. Like, what's going on there? I don't know. I know. And especially <laughs> these are all, again, early career scholars. So they are yeah. they're funding their research so that they can continue to grow and develop their work. And it really helps give a give a give a bit of a start to those yeah. who yeah, don't have the established careers as those professors who may have just won Nobel Prizes. <laughs> yeah. I did walk by the Human Computer Integration Lab in Creer uh, just the other day, and it looked like there was really interesting stuff going on there. There was some mechanical hand sort of thing. Do you know anything about that, Craig? Nope, no clue. <laughs> I feel like All I right. should, as, as a CS major. <laughs> right, next, it's I think we're with me with an update on um, the RBC Race for the Kids at Comer Children's. The University of Chicago Medicine Comer Children's Hospital just hosted their annual RBC Race for the Kids today, um, Sunday, October 16th. They're working to raise money to support the pediatric research that is happening every day at our very own Comer Children's Hospital. Participants were able to sign up online or meet the race organizers at the university's main quad on Sunday morning. The Hyde Park 5K course took runners and also walkers from the quad down to the midway, where they did nearly a complete loop of the plaisance before turning north onto Stony Island Avenue. From there, they wound their way back to the quad and finished by Cobb Gate. Competitors are also free to run a suggested 5K route in Lincoln Park or find their own route wherever in the world they find themselves. Uh, virtual 5Ks and races have become a bit of a thing since the pandemic started where people can just sign up and then do their race wherever they are. I've never actually done one before, but it's a, it's a popular method. These have days. you done a regular 5K? I have done a number of regular 5Ks, probably too many at this point. Do you enjoy them or do you, I assume you enjoy them? 5Ks are kind of brutal. Three miles, you're just, you're just going pretty fast the whole time. Well, maybe Jake is, but I tend to take a couple breaks where I walk in between the miles. <laughs> yeah. Do you do them with teams or just by yourself? Yeah, in high school, I ran varsity cross-country and track, and 5K was the um, default length for varsity races. I see. It was somewhere between like 2.7 miles into a 5K, which is 3.1. Um, that was pretty much all my races in high school. Um, and, but in terms of this RBC race for the kids, an ambitious fundraising goal of $275,000 was set, but they have already surpassed that. Comer Children's Hospital has raised $286,000 and $286,208, rather, and counting, with $35,200 of that coming from just one of the many teams that was competing, Hera's crew. You know, just two days ago, I was going on a run through Washington Park, and a man stopped to ask me if I was training for the race. Now, I don't think he was talking about this race. There's another race that was happening in Chicago, the Country Soul 
races. There was yeah. a half marathon, 5K, 10K. Um, but frankly, if I'd known about this race, I, I would have liked to do it. I hadn't heard about it. There's a good culture here around doing 5Ks and stuff with other students. Um, last year, I went downtown for the Abbott Chicago 5K that happened the day before the marathon with some friends from my house, and I had a lot of fun. Anyone else been on some good runs recently? I've never, I've not uh, really done any runs, but I did back in high school do a couple charity swims, and those were very fun. Um, a really great way to, you know, raise some money and exercise without, you know, all the jarring cardio off. Just <laughs> <laughs> run on the road. I don't know. Swimming's pretty tiring. I, I can't very do front crawl for very long at all. Yeah, no. I, you know, it was in a lake, very nice, and if you oh, sweat, good. you just, like, the water's there, you know? It's just <laughs> running, not my thing. A friend of mine um, did, a, did a charity swim back in high school, and he would get people to pledge some amount of money per, mi- per, per lap, rather. He was doing it in a pool. Fantastic. And then he swam, like, 400 laps or something ridiculous, and he raised a lot of money in the process. I don't, I don't think he'd told people just how many laps he would do <laughs> <Yeah>. beforehand. <laughs> Greg, how, how do you like to go on your runs these days? <laughs> well, as for me, this brings back a, a lot of... Um, Bad memories. From Bad memories. I have to say, I have to say, um, from high school, cross country. No, I never made it to varsity. Um, always on JV. Probably one of the slowest people. But I don't know what you do, Jake. I don't. But I, I will give a shout out to Rishi Young, who is also at UChicago. He's on the track team. And he's like one of the best runners, I guess, in the country. He's awesome. So. Fantastic. Good for Rishi. Yeah. You are wearing running shoes right now. The ons are pretty popular with the, yeah. with the cross country community. They're comfortable. Our lovely runner is wearing Crocs. (laughs) (laughs) I love my purple Crocs. Okay, next we're going to go to Greg. What do you have to tell us about Greg? Right, so just a quick update on the uh, men's soccer team. So, so this was first reported by Izzy Frank Itivi of the Hyde Park Herald. So, the soccer team, the men's soccer team, is off to a strong start this season. So far, it's on a 13-game winning streak and is currently ranked number one in the NCAA's Division Three. Wow. At the time of recording, Friday was the latest one for the Maroons in a home game against Carnegie Mellon, who they beat 4-0. The team has been fairly successful in recent years. In fact, they've had seven consecutive winning seasons, won five conference championships, and made NCAA tournament appearances every year. Next, we're going to Carter for one last update. Yes, students on campus this weekend may have noticed a drastic increase in the average age as Family Weekend took over campus. Part of the college's annual programming, Family Weekend is a three-day event meant to provide family members with an opportunity to learn more about what life on campus is like for their student and hear about some of the opportunities available to them. Programming includes model classes, which are miniaturized exhibitions of actual UChicago courses taught by UChicago professors, they can range on subjects uh, from everything to, from linear programming to a lecture called Movies, Morals, and the Wizard of Oz. Mm. It's actually a subsection of a course I took my first year. Uh, family members this weekend had the chance to visit a number of open houses, tours of campus staples like the Oriental Institute and Smart Museum, as well as of some of UChicago's neighboring communities, and even attend a crossword puzzle tournament hosted by the Maroons. Family Weekend also coincides with Homecoming, which meant families were welcome to join students and alumni at the Homecoming Block Party on 56th Street next to the Gerald Ratner Athletic Center this past Saturday. The event included food and drink offerings, a live band, pumpkin decorating, banner voting, and more over the Block Party's three-hour duration. To all the families who joined us here in Hyde Park this weekend, thank you for visiting. You know what I love about Family Weekend? I do not know what you love about Family Weekend. I love the food. The food is great. Yes. We get forks and then also food that we can eat with our forks. 
that we can enjoy eating with our forks. My parents, unfortunately, were not here, but that didn't stop me from going to the family weekend check-in and grabbing some orange juice and cookies. There's that, but also just even at, like, Kathy, the food is just significantly better. Really? Yeah, yeah. I cannot say the same for Bartlett. (laughs) All right. I don't know. Maybe maybe they just don't think parents will ever find Bartlett worth entering. (laughs) Kathy supremacy. I don't know. (laughs) Did anybody's parents come for parents weekend, family weekend? No? My parents probably would have last year, but I was at a mock trial tournament. And now I'm a now I'm an old man, so I know, an old fourth year. My parents I texted them, I said, Hey, you coming to parents weekend? And they said, No, sorry, we're at your brother's at school right now. <laughs> Thank you. Does UF have their No, fit? no, it's just a football game at University of oh, Florida, my, yeah. where my brother goes. So, you know, they visited me once this year and they visited him five times. Definitely not favoritism. <laughs> have they ever come out to Chicago for the football games? <laughs> not quite for those. <laughs> No, last time actually they came up, it was to make me work for them at a meeting for free. So, you know, really, I'm really feeling the love for my parents. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. All right. And with that, I think we're going to start wrapping things up. Thank you for listening. Recording this episode has been a lot of fun. It's good to see new faces down here. And with that, I'm Jake. I'm Greg. I'm Carter. I'm Naylin. I'm Noah. See you next week.